Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1, where we challenge the assumptions of our current society to resist oppression and investigate alternative ways of living for a world based on justice, solidarity, and sustainability. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM, your local community radio station. My name's Andy and I will be hanging out with you for the next hour. We are broadcasting on Jagera and Turable Country here. And today on the show, we are going to be talking about the war happening in Palestine right now. It is in the news a bit, um, if you have been uh, following it at all. And I think Triple Z's been doing quite a good job of trying to give voices to people affected by it as well. And I actually, not too long ago, a couple of months ago on the Paradigm Shift, we did a show on Palestine, but a lot has changed since that show. And uh, don't we wish that we were chatting, we were able to chat with somebody about the significance of Dubka dancing to Palestinian people like I did that day. Um, a lot has changed since then, and there's a, a lot more significant topics to talk about. But today, I, we will be hearing from Usama Nicola, who is a Palestinian Christian man. He lives in Bethlehem. You might have heard of um, that place. It's a famous city, and it is in the occupied uh, Palestinian territory in the West Bank. And so, much like in the Christmas story where Joseph and Mary are forced to moved by the Roman colonizer, told where to go, and then told there's no room at the inn and forced into uncomfortable conditions. The people of Bethlehem now are living under occupation of a mass military um, imperial state and have their movements dictated and frequently are denied the comforts which um, might make their life a bit better and which they see the Israeli settlers around them enjoying. We'll hear all about that from Usama. I had a long chat with him about all kinds of different things, um, and we talk a lot about how our life has changed in the last six weeks of this war happening and also about uh, what hope for the future looks like for Palestinian people and what they would like to see people in the international community doing. So stick around. Um, I think it's not... Every day that we get to hear from people on the ground in Palestine. And so I feel privileged to be able to bring you these voices. Probably next week it'll be the same. I've actually this week spoken to a couple of people in Palestine and Israel as well. And uh, we won't fit it all in one show, but probably next week we'll, we'll be doing that as well. But for now, um, 
Let's hear from Osama. Hello everyone, I'm Osama Nicola from Bethlehem, Palestine. I'm uh, a father of three children. Um, I was born and raised up in Bethlehem. I uh, do work as a tour guide and, you know, I'm happy to be with you today. Now, in Australia, when we think of Palestine, um, we often would think of Muslims, but you are a Christian who lives in the very significant Christian location of Bethlehem. Can you tell us what it's like living in this place that's so connected to your culture and your faith? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really don't understand why when you think about West and when you think about Palestine, you think about Muslims or Arabs. Because this is the place where Christianity started. You know, this is the place where Jesus was born. This is uh, where the Bible come, you know, live. If you come and visit this uh, land, this country. So this is the land of the Bible. This is the land of the Christianity. And this is the land where, you know, Christianity started. And from here all over the world. Uh, things has changed because our country has been under many, many, many empires and many, uh, you know, powers would like to rule this part of the world because of its location. You know, there is many colonizing uh, and power um, reasons to control our country and there has been always an uh, unstable situation. Uh, so for me, this is, um, you know, like, uh, it's my home, uh, my history, my parents, uh, my ancestors, uh, you know, according to the story of our family through our uh, oral history, we know that our family has been living in Bethlehem since the late 5th century. So we have been here since so many years. And when you know more about the history of your country, um, you love it more. Despite all the challenges, you know, um, leaving this part of the world for me personally and for my children is better and wiser. But, you know, we decided to stay despite all the challenges, despite all the difficulties, because this place is, it means a lot for us to be here. We want to stay, take care of our parents. We want to stay because of the history. We want to stay because of uh, the deep connection uh, with the land and um, our fate. Well, the 5th century, that's a long way to trace back your connection to that land. That's true, that's true. We have documents uh, through the church that goes back to almost 800 years about our family, the baptism, the marriages, the death, all of these records. Um, you know, that's what you can go back at least uh, to 800 years about our presence and you know, all these records through our church. And now, is it difficult being a Christian in Palestine and in the occupied territories? How much do you think that the the conflicts and the, the danger that comes there is because of religion? Uh, you know, I think it's difficult to be a Christian anywhere around the world. <laughs> because as a Christian, Jesus teaches us uh, to be uh, um, truth, to say the truth always and to do the good things and uh, you know uh, there is challenges for christian anywhere or around the world uh, living here in this country i don't see the conflict as a religious conflict 
it's it's a political conflict it's occupation uh, we as palestinian uh, living under israeli military occupation that's violating our human rights and violating the international law so as a christian i am um you know like uh, other palestinians who are not christians we face the same uh, circumstances we we face the same uh, reality we face the same difficulties uh, and we suffer uh, the same way from the occupation. Can you give us a bit of a picture of what it's like, or what it was like until recently, living in the West Bank as you are under the Israeli occupation? Uh, I'm 46 years old, and I never remember a good day. So there has been nice moments, but not too, not too long. Uh, West Bank... Is Jerusalem and Gaza Strip has been under Israeli military occupation since uh, 1967. And since the first day of the occupation, the West Bank was under emergency regulation laws that uh, put Palestinians under Israeli military laws and later all the Israeli illegal settlers who live in the West Bank and in Jerusalem became under Israeli uh, uh, civil law. And this is where you might uh, hear from some Israeli organization or international organization that Israel is an apartheid state. Uh, because we have been living under different sets of laws. So we as Palestinians in the West Bank live under uh, Israeli military law that uh, you know, violate our rights and our human rights every single day. Any Palestinian is guilty until he proved the opposite. Uh, Israeli military can detain us uh, uh, up to six months renewal to five years without any case against us. Um, uh, Palestinian children can be detained and arrested after he's 12 years old. The Israeli military deal with our children as adults after they are 16, not like Israeli civil law after they are 18. So there is a lot of details that people don't really understand uh, what does mean life uh, under occupation. And um, if you resist and under any way, you are called a terrorist. So there is a lot of... Um, kind of uh, stereotypes and there is a lot of um, you know misunderstanding uh, many people really don't understand the history the situation and what we are passing under um, so the in the West Bank we have almost um, 750,000 Israeli illegal settlers who uh, control over um, you know, like directly more than 45% of the West Bank land, which is land controlled by local and regional council settlements. And these settlements are illegal by international law and Geneva Convention for and United Nations resolution. And these people control almost 95% uh, of our water and uh, control our roads. And uh, so there is bypass roads that we can't use so I'm talking about my country, my land, which is supposed to be a Palestinian state. Um, so we can't travel, travel freely. Uh, we can't enjoy the nature if we'd like to go and hike in some areas because it's close to settlements. And uh, we don't have enough water. So water shortage every summer because well, what we receive is 
um, you know, almost 74 a liter per person per day instead of 120 liter per person per day. But the illegal settlers who live in the West Bank receive 300 plus liter per person per day. So there is a lot of difficulties and you can name it from lack of resources to lack of freedom to lack of movement to lack of opportunities. And that's all because of mainly the occupation. You know, um, there's other reasons, but mainly the occupation that make our life miserable and difficult. And um, as I told you, the, since 1967, the West Bank has been under Israeli military um, laws. Uh, which called um, emergency and regulation laws. So that's w- what life is like in the West Bank. Can you give us a, a quick idea of what it would be like living in the Gaza Strip? And have you personally ever been able to travel to Gaza? Uh, unfortunately, i never been to Gaza. Uh, Gaza is a small, beautiful uh, city. Um, you know, West Bank, East Jerusalem, and Gaza Strip supposed to be uh, the Palestinian state and supposed to be um, connected. So uh, uh, Gaza is a small area. It's half size of, uh, I mean, Gaza District. Uh, Gaza District is half size of Bethlehem District. And when I'm talking about Bethlehem District, I only enjoy 13% of Bethlehem District. So 87% of Bethlehem District is off limit for us as Palestinian, and it's available for Israeli legal settlers. So Gaza in the last 15, 16 years has been, uh, you know, kind of closed um, since 16 years, since 2007, has been, uh, you know, like, uh, sieged uh, by the Israeli uh, occupation. Um, uh, goods can come in, uh, you know, and out not easily. Uh, you know, it's located in the coast, so um, um, fishermen can fish freely. Um, you know, thousands of fishermen has lose, um, you know, their um, their jobs because after 2007, after the siege, um, you know, like uh, only fishermen can access six miles instead of 20 miles, according to the agreement between BLO and Israel. And uh, it's the most... Uh, dense area you know like 75 or more of the population in Gaza are refugees Uh, you know I don't know how much you know about Palestinian refugees about the Palestinian Nakba in 1947-48 you know uh, where all these Palestinians were kicked out and forced to leave their villages or uh, in what became Israel because the United Nations has made a proposal uh, which is known as the United Nations uh, uh, Partition Plan 181 United Nations Resolution uh, when um, you know countries has voted for it uh, and then the, the day after the vote the Jewish military uh, different groups launch a war against the Palestinian uh, villages and start to kick them out from their villages um, so 75% of people who live in Gaza are refugees who has been living in a refugee camp that's established by the United Nations agency UNRWA since 1950 almost so there is um a very um, dense populated eight refugee camps 
39 refugee camps in Gaza Strip and it is a very small um, area that has been suffered a lot because of the siege, not enough water, not uh, no electricity, um, no enough medicine. Many people has died because of the siege. They can't get the right medication or the right treatment. So it, it has been a very hard life and people of Gaza are you know, like eager for living, in eager for, so they are very creative, they have studied, they have worked hard, they have been doing a lot of creative uh, things, whether through music, whether through art. In the past years, most of the students has teach uh, like uh, online, they have been teaching Arabic courses online for many internationals. And so this is how many international uh, people has good friends in Gaza. And uh, so they have good education, very high education. Um, they speak good English. You know, I mean, most of the young generation has went to schools and universities. They are eager to, to live a better life. They are eager to enjoy and live uh, and freedom. But unfortunately, what is happening right now in Gaza is a real genocide and uh, damaging everything beautiful there. And it became um, a big graveyard for children and women. Yes, many people have seen on the news in Australia the terrible things that have happened in Gaza the last six weeks. But I wonder for you in the West Bank, in Bethlehem, um, how have things changed during the last six weeks of this war? Uh, it has been hard even before the beginning of the war in the West Bank. The Israeli military raids never stopped um, in the West Bank. Um, since uh, 40 days we had uh, maybe 170 Palestinians killed, um, 2,400 Palestinians arrested. So a daily military raids um, that lasted for hours. Um, today, Nablus and Jenin in the Upper West Bank was raided by the military yesterday, Tulkarim, the day before Bethlehem. So Jericho often. So there is really military raids of the, often to the West Bank. Uh, but what, what we notice is in recently is the settler violence. There has been more settler violence. Uh, some Palestinian communities has been evacuated. Um, roads has been closed. We are under full uh, military closure. For example, I can't move out of Bethlehem. Uh, I mean, even to some of the villages that's close to Bethlehem. Uh, roads are closed. Checkpoints are closed. Uh, you know, already we we had since um, many years we had more than seven hundred and five obstacle of movement, um, but now we have maybe more than thousand obstacle of movement. So we can't move. It's very hard. Um, there is very you know like crossing, for example, to Ramallah or to Jericho or to Hebron or other Palestinian city. We need to cross checkpoints, and me that mean that you might wait for hours, or it's closed, or you might be detained and tortured in one of these checkpoints. And uh, you know, like the way the soldiers are dealing is very terrible. Uh, the the settler violence has been very high. All the Israelis are military. Uh, you know, they have all guns, and. Um, 
the settlers have, be, have been giving more guns and sometimes they dressed like um, soldiers like what happened two days ago and they attack one of the schools in South Hebron Hills in a village called Atwani and uh, so they do terrible things I mean settler violence has been more and more and military raids Israeli military raids has been more and more um, last week the Israeli military raid our neighborhood at 11 a.m. and the raid end up at almost 7 p.m. We couldn't pick our kids from school, you know. So uh, we asked a friend uh, to take them to her home until we can leave our home because we can't. So it was a very stressed day for us um, uh, and for our kids. And uh, almost 72 people were injured in that day because Israeli military random shooting a man of his 52 maybe was killed and another two or three were uh, seriously injured one of them is our neighbor and uh, the Israelis came to the house they to arrest a young man and they say uh, he's in in home and his parents and his uncle and everyone tell him that he's not at home they say no he's in home so they search the home they damage the home they shoot inside the home they even threw bombs inside the home and then they left and they say if he didn't surrender himself we will damage the house like bulldoze the house and uh, so the second day i think he went and surrendered himself at one of the israeli military bases so it's ongoing aggression by the Israeli military in the West Bank. Are people in the West Bank worried that what we're seeing right now in Gaza might happen there next? Uh, if you follow the Israeli news, you will get more and more worried. Especially when you listen to some of the Israeli uh, government leaders. Uh, I don't know how much you know about the current government in Israel. It's the most radical government. You know, some of the ministers, uh, the Ministry of Finance, uh, say that, and this this is actually three months ago, he say, like, Palestinians, we have three options, uh, whether to be dead or to leave or to surrender to our will. And just two days ago, uh, two Israeli um, leaders in Yesh Atid, uh, Israeli political group, uh, Danny Danon and uh, Rambam Barak, they say that, that they ask the government to do a transfer for the Palestinian in the West Bank um, towards Jordan. And uh, I don't know if you have heard it in your news, the, uh, what the Minister of uh, Heritage, uh, Aminahi, uh, you know, Elahu, Eliyahu, said um, about using a nuclear bomb, uh, you know, against uh, Gaza area. And, uh, you know, like you can read a good book uh, for Elan Pape, the Israeli historian uh, called Ethnic Cleansing that he has been talking about. So it's an ongoing process. It didn't start uh, 40 days or um, recent. It has been happening. And, uh, you know, uh, Dichter uh, talk about a new Nakba for Palestinian um, in 2023. So there is a lot of calls by Israeli leaders that's really frightening us. And, um, you know, like what what is really most frightening is that 
all these uh, settler groups that have guns that might do a massacre or uh, attack villages or cities um, and, and, and who is going to stop them? Who is going to protect us? You know, that's, that's the issue is we don't feel that we are protected. We don't feel that we are safe. Um, so this is why I have not been moving out of Bethlehem since almost, uh, you know, 40 days now. And um, I, I love nature. I love hiking. This is for me kind of a healing. I can't be out of the city. I can't go and hike. I can't go to the west side, which is very beautiful. I can't go to the east side, which is a semi-desert. You know, we can't enjoy our country. We have not been living a normal life. And our normal is not the normal. What we have been living through is never been normal. The war that we've seen in the last six weeks and the scale of it, have they come as a surprise to people in Palestine? Was there hope that things were getting better? I mean, we also saw there were big protests by Israeli citizens against Netanyahu earlier this year. Did people feel it was getting better? You know, for us, uh, we have been always trying to keep hope alive. We have always shows hope and we have always think that things will be better. But to be frank with you, there has been no better day. It's worse and worse every single day. And there has been many wars against Gaza. There has been uh, many attacks against Palestinians. Uh, t- uh, since the beginning of the year, before the 7th of October, more than 170 Palestinians were killed. So. We, we know that the situation is very bad and very complicated. We could feel that, you know, like the best way for Netanyahu to unite the Israeli society and to stop all this demonstration is to go for war. And, uh, you know, like people has felt that something will happen because, you know, like Netanyahu will want to stay in the government and, 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 and want to, you know, continue doing what he's uh, willing to do so uh, um, in a way it was a shock it was a surprise but in the other hand you know people were expecting something to happen and uh, but maybe not that uh, bad because what is happening and what has been happening is the worst ever now this is a big question um, but I guess over the years we've heard different people talk about a uh, two-state solution or a one-state solution um what do you think is required for a peaceful and free situation in palestine uh you know uh, if there is a will there is a way uh unfortunately unfortunately the peace process has been killed long time ago we had high expectation after Oslo agreement, despite it's not the best, but you know, there has been high expectation. But immediately after uh, 1994, there has been uh, an Israeli contribution against the peace process. And later there has been Palestinian contribution uh, against the peace process. But who did start to kill the peace uh, was the Israeli side. Um, if you know about the massacre that happened by Baruch Goldstein uh, in Ibrahimi Mosque in uh, February 1994, this was a very quick response from uh, right-wing 
extremist uh, Israeli side you know, against this process. In 1995, uh, Itzhak Rabin, the Israeli Prime Minister, were killed by another right-wing extremist because he's willing to make peace with the Palestinian and he's uh, willing to withdraw from the West Bank and a two-state solution will happen. So for the right-wing uh, extremist, any leader in Israel who will decide to withdraw from uh, the West Bank, he's a traitor. Uh, to the Israelis and uh, he must be killed so um, Palestinians are peace lovers we want peace we because we need it you know we are missing freedom uh, we want dignity we want freedom we want justice we want peace uh, unfortunately the double standard uh, uh, world the double standards in the United Nations and Security Council is the reason why we are here today. And I think many people around the world don't really understand the issue. And it's, it's again, it's an occupation that must end. And in this struggle, we have not been alone. There is many Israelis who would like to end the occupation. And they have been doing a lot of um, demonstration against the occupation. And there is a lot of Israeli organizations like B'Tselem, like uh, ICAD, Israeli Committee, or Committee Against Home Demolition, uh, like Schorot, that really work hard and... Uh, to end the occupation. And as Palestinians, we have tried many ways, civil disobedience and uh, first intifada and many other ways to end the occupation. We went to the negotiation. The current, uh, the PLO has been always clear after the peace process that only negotiation and nonviolent and that's the, the only way. And the international community need to make pressure. As I told you, if there is a will, there is a way whether it's two-state solution or one democratic state solution. Unfortunately, most of the Israeli right-wing don't want to go for two-state solution because they want to keep the West Bank. And they don't want to go to a one democratic state solution because they want Israel to be a Jewish state. You know, easily you can just go and Google the Israeli national um, you know, law that has been upgraded in 2017, and you can see that according to their law, only Jewish people have the right of self-determination in this land. So, again, that's what the finance minister, Smotrich, said uh, just some months ago, that you, Palestinians, have three options. Whether to leave, or to be dead, or to surrender to our will. We are not the problem. We are not the cause of this problem. It's the occupation. And this occupation must end. Okay? And anyone really care for Israel or love Israel, they must help Israel to end this occupation. Because this occupation is destroying the image of Israel and people around the world can see what is the real face of the occupation. Without international pressure, we can't reach an end of the occupation. Without international uh, pressure on Israel. So, we have been trying many ways and uh, Unfortunately, the radicals has win always. Uh, people who want to reach peace and make peace has been always attacked by the radical groups. But, you know, we'll never give up. Peace is a must. And uh, we hope that um, there will be leaders who will have a common vision 
think together and work together for a future of this country, a better future for this country. Is there anything else that you would like to say to the people of Australia who might be listening? I would like to tell the people of Australia that, you know, like, you need to be broad justice. And, uh, you know, like, you as a third party, you are not part of this conflict, you need to try to help both sides to reach a peaceful agreement. You need to work to protect uh, the dignity of the Palestinian people. And um, you need to be pro your values and you need to understand the reality. You know, uh, not everything you see and hear in the media is right. Search for the truth. And if you know the truth, the truth will liberate you. And, uh, you know, like, it's a very difficult situation. And again and again, we alone can't end this ongoing uh, injustice. Okay, thanks very much, Isama, for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you, Andy, for this program and uh, for um, helping our voice to be heard. And uh, we hope that this um, current unjust will end soon and then we can welcome again people from Australia and other parts of the world because we are part of this global family and we need each other. Yes, that's right. Thanks very much. We have been talking to Usama Nicola from on the ground in the West Bank in the city of Bethlehem. Very informative and I think so valuable to talk to people who are living it, living the occupation every day and talk about what's been happening not just in the last few weeks, although we are there getting stories about the last few weeks about, you know, bombs being thrown into um, people's houses because uh, somebody who is wanted by the IDF hasn't surrendered themselves or adults being um, told they can't leave their house while their kids are at school, they can't go and pick up their kids from school, but also just the day-to-day life of living in an occupation in um, one of the most militarised places in the world in the occupied territories of Palestine. And um, that was, of course, long before the the bombs started falling on Gaza. Now, there is a significant uh, solidarity movement going on with Palestine around the world right now and in Australia and Brisbane as well. And there's lots of different ways that people are trying to show solidarity and lots of ways that you can. Um, one way is to come along to the rallies. I think Justice for Palestine, Mianjin, Brisbane is uh, planning on holding rallies every Sunday for, I don't know, the the length of the bombardment, I guess. And so there'll be one on again this Sunday. I think it's 2 p.m. at um, King George Square. And also there's organising meetings, I think, on Monday night, Justice for Palestine, Mianjin, if you want to get involved. And, of course, you can follow them on social media to get updates. 
Another group, uh, one that I've been involved in for a long time is Wage Peace, who are trying to do things more specifically targeted at weapons companies. Of course, most of the world's biggest weapons companies are involved somehow in the Israeli Defense Force because they're a very lucrative customer to get. One of the world's most highly armed militaries, of course, Israel also is one of the world's biggest weapons exporters. And it's uh, amazing, really, the... I guess a state so founded on kind of militarism and like uh, Osama was saying there, you know, it's not good for Israelis to being living a constantly occupying force, a completely militarized society of um, compulsory uh, military service for every Israeli person. So many people work manufacturing weapons um, and the, it's not a, a good way to be for a state that's supposed to represent, you know, some kind of religious values. But uh, next week we will be talking to an Israeli actually about um, their solidarity with Palestine. But uh, yeah, Wage Peace is another group that you can follow, and we'll keep doing things uh, targeted weapons companies, probably. Uh, in light of Palestine, there have been actions both around the world and in Australia at ports trying to stop um, exports by. Uh, Israeli companies and it's very hard to know what weapons are being sent there whether there is weapons in there because of the secrecy that the arms manufacturing industry operates under and they can claim all kinds of layers of uh, national security and things like that to not give out information which is in all of our interest to know and so there is actually a lawsuit going on about the secrecy of Australia's weapons exports and so a couple of Australian NGOs I think have taken the Australian government to court um, to try to find out what exactly is being sent to Israel, what is in the defence exports permits. Australia has issued 350 defence export permits to Israel since 2017 including 52 this year but what is in them uh, we don't know. In fact, only that information was made available from some um, David Shoebridge Green's defence spokesperson asking some hard questions in Senate. And so there's a, um, a lawsuit currently to try to find out what is Australia exporting to Israel. And, of course, the ongoing boycott, divestment and sanctions campaign has been going for many, many years, and that is trying to identify companies that are linked to the Israeli military occupation and use consumer pressure in other parts of the world to try to uh, pressure those companies into um, pulling out of that military regime. And it's come under a lot of criticism over the years, of course. Um, there's a, a lot of very staunch defenders of Israel in powerful positions. Um, we've seen Peter Dutton in recent days and other um, politicians and certainly the... Um, figures prominent in the media, very pro-Israel, and the boycott divestment sanctions scheme has come under a lot of criticism. But then the question is, well, what else, what are people supposed to do? There's a an occupation going on, the people being occupied are asking the international community for help, and of course nobody wants to see violent responses like what happened on October 7th. What, are, what other avenues are there? And one of the traditional ways that has been done is uh, consumer boycotts and government boycotts and things like that. And so uh, I think that campaign, the Boycott Divestment 
and sanctions campaign will only continue to be more prominent. Um, that's a bunch of updates. I think there are other things going on around the country to keep an eye on. And uh, I did another interview during the week, which again you'll hear next week on the show about with somebody in Palestine and they said that actually a lot of people in Palestine are very heartened by the international solidarity that they've seen in uh, the last few weeks. And so who knows? Who knows what will come of this? But certainly it is a a very terrible situation right now for people who are living in the open-air prison that is Gaza or the um, militarised occupied zone that is West Bank or East Jerusalem, the other Palestinian occupied territories. Like I said, we will be hearing more from people in Palestine next week, so make sure to tune in again then. Catch you later.